Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Hello and welcome to Baseball Barbacast, the only baseball podcast in the world about to put a bunch of shit in the ground. I'm Jake Mintz. That's Jordan Schusterman. And we have a very special guest today, Jordan. Yes, we do. Uh, now we are recording this on Thursday morning, November 10th. Free agency begins later today. But before we go into full off-season mode, we would like to take a full episode to do what we have done uh, the last two off-seasons, one of our favorite activities, the 2022 Major League Baseball time capsule. And we decided to bring along a special guest for this venture, one of our favorite people on the baseball internet, truly Mr. Foolish Baseball, a.k.a. Uh, Foolish Bailey. Uh, Bailey Freeman, welcome to Baseball Barbercast. Hey, thank you so much. I believe this is my Baseball Barbercast debut against all odds. Yes. Honestly, I would say the odds of you having appeared on the show last offseason, had we not been uh, canceled, were <laughs> extremely high. Uh, the amount of lockout material we probably would have done together were we podcasting in those months. It, it sh- surely would have happened, but instead it has waited and now we are going to make up for it. And you are going to be on for this whole episode with us because you are the perfect person to come up with some goofy items to put into the ground. So Jake, what, what, why are we putting items into the ground? Wait, let's explain well, this, this, Jordan, uh, this episode. I, I want to give... I want to give Mr. Baseball an opportunity to introduce himself oh, because while uh, much of the baseball <laughs> internet does know who he is, I'm not sure if my mom does. So, uh, <laughs> Foolish, why don't you introduce yourself to my mom who's listening? Well, Jake's mom, I, I make baseball videos on YouTube and, uh, you know, mostly focused on sort of the fun side of analytics and numbers and stats. But that is, that is my main occupation is I make baseball videos on the website YouTube.com. That's a career? That is a job. I wouldn't say career, but it's a job. <laughs> great, great way to put it. We can certainly relate to that feeling. Um, but but I, I will I will encourage anyone just I mean, Foolish Baseball on YouTube. It is it is here. Here's what I'll say. It is way more interesting than how he just made it sound. <laughs> you will be you will be way more entertained than than the elevator pitch he just gave, and I cannot recommend it enough. We are we are huge fans of his work uh, and of him as a, as a friend, and so he is here to to make some jokes about the 2022 baseball season because Jake, we did not get to podcast until the final uh, week of the regular season, and so there is a lot to cover here. Uh, this is something we have done the last two off seasons on our previous show, but we just love this bit so much, 
And so we decided to bring it back uh, to review the 2022 season. So, so what is it? What are we doing here? I can't wait to find out what happened. So what we're going to do is we're going to go chronologically through the 2022 season, which we did watch, even though we didn't podcast about it. Yes. And we are going to put items into the time capsule mm-hmm. that fully encapsulate mm. what the 2022 season was all about. The yes. memories that stick out in our mind so that a mm-hmm. hundred years from now, when our children, Jake the Third and Yoannis Jr. Mm-hmm. open up, they dig down deep and, you know, the world mm-hmm. is burning and mm-hmm. uh, climate change has ruined our planet. The only thing left will be the 2022 mm-hmm. time MLB season time well, capsule. Right. And they can open it up and they can remember what was. Right. Well, also the, the 2020 and 2021 ones that we did last two offseason. Those are in the same... Uh, area that we've that we've buried them but but can you imagine here- <laughs> in this scenario where they're like oh my god our ancestors left us something it must be so important the the, uh, the knowledge of previous worlds these are the dead sea scrolls for the 2020s nope right. just a and- couple podcasting idiots leaving <laughs> behind random trinkets and, and, you know, the important thing to remember here is that we're trying to come up. We're not just being like, oh, you know, we, one of our favorite uh, people in, in the baseball world is John Shestakovsky, whose job it is at the Baseball Hall of Fame to collect special items from big events and games and be like, oh, you know, here's, you know, Juan Soto's bat. Oh, and here's Clayton Kershaw's glove. Like, we might have some of those items, but in general, we're trying to get wacky. These are items that we likely cannot obtain under any circumstance. Um, and so, but Hey, we're podcasting, so we make the rules here. (laughs) So, uh, all right, well, let's, let's, let's just, let's just get into it. Now, this is the other caveat. Let's just get this out of the way. We, this is not comprehensive. We have over 30 items. This is not at all. We are going to miss so many important people representing this, but that's just because this podcast can't be five hours long. And we wanted to come up with items that were particularly entertaining, if anything. So let's just say that now. You will hear, if you're a fan of some teams, you're like, hey, you didn't put anything. Sorry. Sorry. That's fine. It's it's just the silly podcast time capsule. I think you're going to be okay. Bailey, I'm going to let you know right now. I disagree entirely. I think, you know, if it's not on the list, it just doesn't matter at all. So, you know, if you're mad that your important object didn't make it on the list, email me. Email <laughs> okay. you. com. Do it. I'm going to reveal something right now. If you're a Texas Rangers fan, mm. nothing for you. Nothing no. for you. No, we did last year. We put, or in 2020, we put the blueprints of Globe Life Field because. So so much happened in Globe Life Field in 2020 that had nothing to do with the Rangers, but it was still we still represented it. But no, I don't think we got a lot of Rangers stuff here. So we're gonna go chronological. We're gonna begin with the roughly the end of the lockout. We're not going back to December. We're gonna begin in February when baseball is still locked out. Jake, what is our first item? It's really two, Jordan. Mm-hmm. It's really three. Mm-hmm. The quintessential. Baseball lock and chain. Yes, yes. The 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 we our 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 timelines and and Twitter feeds were were flooded with stock images of a baseball and a lock and a chain or of and a bat in some combination. Uh, Foolish. Did you have a particular um uh you know preferred rendition of this image that you like that that sticks out in your mind? You know and and. You know, the lock and chain is classic. I also like the classic just ball and glove left behind on the mound as if the pitcher has been raptured, you know, and there's just no baseball to be had. Yes, yes. Particularly on like a spring training mound where they were not there because there was no baseball yet. 
Yes, except for the minor leaguers, they they didn't count. Uh, <laughs> more on that later. Um, but yes, that's that's a great one, right? It's just that like it's it's that the, the the baseball players have vanished from the earth because the owners have locked them out. Yes, great great point. Jordan, uh, but number two, yeah, number two. Uh, this is one. Now we get to February twenty third. We get a report from Twitter.com, AP Sports. This is when the the propaganda was flying from both sides. And we have this tweet from the AP. Mets' Max Scherzer arrives in Porsche, joins fellow Gar- uh, pitcher Garrett Cole and other pitchers as Union and MLB meet for third tr- straight day to an attempt to salvage the opening day on March 31st amid lockout. Max Scherzer's Porsche, welcome to the time capsule <laughs> You are representative of the rich and greedy baseball players who kept baseball from us, yes. the fans. The owners were doing everything in their power to give us the sport. But Max Scherzer, this rich guy, who does he think he is? Who do you think we come to see him play? No, I come to see the owners put a good product on the field no matter who's in, in, in the uniform. I don't care about them. And so his Porsche will remind me that it was the player's fault. Right, Jake? Showing up in a Porsche? What is this, F1? (laughs) If I wanted to watch rich guys drive fast cars, there's a whole Netflix documentary for that. Uh, How do you feel about putting the Porsche in? Do you you, you think that represents Max Scherzer's greed? I think it does. You know, Max Scherzer, who signed a contract that was going to pay him $40 million a year driving a $100,000 electric Porsche, that's like me driving a car that costs $5. (laughs) That's a great point, actually. Yes. This was, you think this was actually a sign of humility, I think. That's a great take. (laughs) That's like Bailey taking the bus. Yeah, Yeah, that's like if I rode my bike. Right, right. No, it's it's so true. It's so true. Well, Max Scherzer's Porsche. I also suggested putting in his Doritos that he was holding as he was arguing about this in the parking lot. A um, lot of options for Max Scherzer, but we wanted to put him in. Okay, so we we covered the players' side, Jake. Now let's get to our third item: uh, the heroes. The capsule. Now we have to this cover was the a, heroes. This was a little a, a week later, March first. Another uh, picture served. Also, again, I believe from the AP. What what item are we putting in next? Our third item from March first. I'm going to see if I can get Bailey to guess. Bailey, what is the most enduring image from the lockout? Like the as far as the lockout itself or the date ended? Like uh, the whole the whole uh, we'll get to the lot of Jupiter we'll process. Ended. Yeah, yeah, it's still locked out. Yeah, um, something something to do with Lindor, maybe. Ooh, no, no. Think, 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 uh, think management. Think, uh, think our, 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 our fear, fearless commissioner. <laughs> fearless commissioner. Mm. Just like walking in and out of various doors in okay, New York City. Right. Right. So we were, <laughs> okay. we were thinking about the Jupiter parking lot. Yes. Now that was a lot more Dan Halem uh, action, but we did get one very special glimpse of Rob Manfred on the day that opening day was canceled. We got a special image of the commissioner practicing his golf swing and so we put in the time capsule whatever actual golf club he was imagining swinging uh, as he practiced his golf swing as the sport crumbled around him jordan maybe he doesn't have a real golf club in that picture because you know as a hero unlike richie rich max scherzer Rob Manfred can't yet afford golf clubs. Ooh, that's a great And point. so he has to dream of one day banging it down the fairway. 
dream big, dream big, Kamish. Maybe you'll get there someday. Uh, so that was so that was March first. But let's fast forward to our our fourth item. This is March tenth, my birthday, the day that the lockout ended. This is our last lockout item. Although, is it an item, Jake? Is it an item? I don't know. This is something I think we're all still figuring out. Is this really an item? But in 2022, we must include something like this. Uh, Bailey, I think you know what we're talking about, but but go ahead. What what are what are we putting in the, the time capsule? I imagine it's a digital item of some sort. <laughs> yes, Did you call yes, it so a may or may not have monetary value. <laughs> yes. Is it uh, fungible? Was it fungible? <laughs> <laughs> and it cannot be funged. Oh, okay. I can't. I couldn't funge this in my wildest dreams. Uh, what is it? What are we talking about for our, our fourth item on March 10th? It's got to be Jeff Passin. <laughs> Jeff, Jeff, Jeff Passin, aka Skulltoons NFT of your choice. Um, whatever NFT scam uh, hacked Jeff Passin on the day that baseball returned. Uh, again, we still don't know how to put this in, not a physical item, but it will be represented. I don't know. Do I print out a picture of it? Again, we're still trying to figure this out, but it has to be in there. It was a key moment. To me, it was so representative of the flimsiness of the internet. And oh <laughs> boy, we, we were going to learn about the flimsiness of, of Twitter, <laughs> but it was just this idea that the reporter could click on some link maybe or you know, lose his double factor authentication password mm. and turn into a <laughs> NFT marketplace with on the most important day maybe yes. of his entire career. Yeah. Pretty incredible. Yeah, uh, definitely up there. Definitely up there. So, well, I hope that that he, uh, that Jeff learned from his mistake. Um, <laughs> that's Okay, great. All right, we now move uh, to our fifth item. Now, we have asked uh, Bailey to bring... Um, to bring items of his own. He has brought nine items to the table and we begin with the first one, I believe, March 14th. So what is the item you have brought uh, for the time capsule? Yes, this this was reported on March 14th, but mm -hmm. uh, as you all know, this was a year to forget for Fernando Tatis Jr. And the downfall really began when he showed up to spring training injured from mm -hmm. a motorcycle accident. And this was reported by uh, Jesse Rogers on March 14th. There's, this is the quote, probably not a great thing. When Fernando Tatis was asked when his motorcycle accident happened, he responded, which one? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so what what item will, will are we just throwing in the, the uh, moto? Which, I mean, it was probably as multiple motorcycles. So what item are we doing to represent this? So the, so the tricky thing was, you know, I, at first I was like, well, I got to put in his helmet. But I was like, I don't know for sure if he was wearing a helmet. I don't know for sure if he was wearing gloves. So I'm going to pick, we're going to go with a motorcycle tire because I imagine it skidded at some point when he wrecked it. Ooh, okay, great, great. Now, again, which motorcycle, which time? Who knows? But we will put in a tire that, that had to likely be included with one of these uh, fateful rides. As someone who has spent many a day skirting around the Dominican Republic, mm. I don't exactly understand where Fernando Tatis Jr. was going fast enough. I guess he went up into the mountains, Jordan, and was just zooming this thing around. I mean, yeah, he, now, he likes to go for 80 speed. I mean, he's, speed. he's going. I would like to also note that f for a guy who admitted to have multiple motorcycle crashes, mm. a banged up wrist feels like a great true. outcome. That's also true. 
Right. That's also true, right? If 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 we're going, if we're guaranteeing multiple motorcycle accidents, just the hurt wrist seems like best case scenario. I, I wish just... my <laughs> vision of this is that he's just sitting on it and it's stationary, and he just loses his balance and topples over. Yeah, yeah, that's that's what like it didn't like what happened to so, so like what happened to Biden, right? <laughs> Biden's yeah, exactly. Bike Biden. <laughs> yeah, it's the um, stopping that really kills you. Here, right, right. That's the most dangerous part. Uh, I just love that Bailey referred to uh, his season as the season to forget, which is so true. Except we will all remember this, for, <laughs> not just not just because of the items we were putting in the time capsule. More to come later. Let's move on to our sixth item. This was April 11th, three days into the season, and we had the highlight of the Oakland A's season: a inside pitch from Chris Mazza lands on the backside of one Sean Murphy who delightfully twerks it into foul territory, giving us arguably the baseball gif of the year, which I am looking at right now on Twitter, this three, sorry, seven second clip of Sean Murphy's ass uh, just launching this baseball away from him has 21.3 million views, uh, which for Twitter is crazy and amazing and hilarious. So Jake, what item are we going to put in to represent this incredible moment? For the A's and only incredible moment for the A's this season. Our first edible item going into the time capsule. We're going to put in a green and yellow piece of cake. <laughs> uh, not only because that was the first thing we think of, but also because Tony Kemp, his A's teammate, quote tweeted this video with the caption, Murph got and then two pieces of cake emoji. So, you know, Tony Kemp is confirming he's likely seen that cake uh, without baseball pants on, and I'm sure he knows every bit as much as we now do that Sean Murphy just has a great ass. Very, very straightforward. So I love this moment again. The A's, <laughs> glad we get working the A's in here. The at, at Oakland at, ass, all those jokes as well. Uh, <laughs> Jordan, do you have uh, Statcast or uh, Savant data on this pitch by chance? Do you know what kind of offering it was? Oh wow! Um, it does look like it is spinning, some sort of off-speed pitch. I could probably get you the, the okay. Data. You don't need to do that right yeah. now. But my point is basically like mm-hmm. Sean Murphy takes this on the tush like a champ. He mm-hmm. just he he like leans into it and shows no sign of injury. The three of us weaklings, okay. If we stood in the box, do you think we could take this pitch off of our cheek and react as nonchalantly as Sean Murphy? I, I or found would it. we be in pain? Not to flex my baseball savant skills, but I did just find it in five seconds. 74 mile an hour slider. So that actually makes me think that relatively yes, but not as, I mean, again, like his butt is launching this thing. I think into the third base dugout, and I, I certainly would not be able to do that. What, what about you, Bailey? I hate to say the worst thing is is not you know how to launch it. The worst thing is that there probably would be a groan involved if I was hit by a seventy four <laughs> mile per hour pitch, and that no one wants to see that. You know, no one wants to hear that, but that is probably the reaction. Yeah, but not for Sean Murphy, um, who 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 will probably make news again at some point in the next few months when he gets traded, and we'll bring this up again. All right, let's move on to item seven. April 16th. This is a date, Jake, that we brought up at some point during this postseason. It was a a very important date in the Philadelphia Phillies season. What was that date, April 16th? It was the last time Bryce Harper ran out and played defense, (laughs) which is incredible to think about Mm -hmm. considering 
So many of our our memories of Bryce Harper are him like running too hard into a wall or throwing a baseball really hard. He hasn't done that in months. Now, to commemorate Bryce Harper's DH season, we're going to put his glove in the time capsule because he doesn't need it. Jake, you followed the Phillies all postseason. Did you ever see Bryce Harper wearing a glove once? Did you see him ever shagging and then like underhanding the ball back in? Like, did you ever see him wearing a glove? This is a great question, Jordan. One of the things I learned about stalking the Phillies for the better part of the month was that you do not really ever see Bryce Harper at all (laughs) if you are covering the Phillies. Let alone his glove. I saw Bryce Harper... Pre-game, I think I saw the Phillies play, I ended up probably like 12 or 13 postseason games. And I saw him pre-game one time. Okay, (laughs) once. I believe it was actually game six of the World Series. He came out and stretched with everyone, carrying a sea green Rawlings outfield glove for some (laughs) freaking reason. Didn't use it to my knowledge and then ran back in and hid inside. He never hits on the field during BP. He's very rarely out there. You just never see him. Uh, Bailey, how do you feel about this? Look, there, there's so many Bryce Harper things, and we'll have some more Philly stuff later. But again, this tells a story, right? I mean, without the DH, this this whole season doesn't happen. So we're going to put his glove in there. Yeah, I mean, the you got to thank the Universal DH for that because imagine just not being able to watch Bryce Harper play baseball for the vast majority <laughs> of the season. I wonder, though, he shows up, you know, in the postseason – with the seafoam green glove, like was he was he practicing defense behind closed doors? Can you do that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not as much room, right? There's not like an enough space underground to practice your deep fly balls. Practicing uh, first base. <laughs> practicing first base, right? Yeah, I don't know. That's that's uh, who knows if they're going to ask him to do that next year. If they want to make a Reese a DH, but yes, Bryce's outfield glove which he clearly doesn't need it. And it doesn't seem like he's going to need for a good chunk of next season either. So I don't feel like we're we're depriving him too much. Uh, all right. Oh, our next item is also Phillies. Our eighth item. Uh, this was a couple weeks later. And let me tell you, when I was doing the research for this podcast, this was one of the first items or one of the first moments that came to mind. This is something that I, I, I'm pretty sure you've done a video on at some point or, or relatively uh, related this year. When I saw that this thing happened on April 24th, I couldn't believe it. I was like, holy shit, that was so long ago. This felt like this just happened. We are going to put in Kyle Schwarber's helmet, not just for the 50 plus homers he hit over the course of the season on the way to the World Series, but for the helmet that he spiked in anger when Angel Hernandez called him out on Sunday Night Baseball on a pitch that was essentially in the right-handed batter's box uh, Jake, you tweeted about this when it happened, and you called it the perfect ejection. Um, and I think that that was a great way to put it because it is it is just a, a hilarious moment for so many reasons. And I think that, that helmet spike, which is a, in some ways a good the key, assuming you're not throwing it at someone, Bryce. Shout out Bryce Harper. Um, shout out Brett Laurie. Shout out Brett Laurie. That's the other one. He he really spiked it hard. But 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 what happened to Brett Laurie? He spiked it and hit the umpire, and he got suspended. And then he was then he was gone from baseball. And then he was gone forever. In Schwarber's case, it was just he he got the distance, but he got the power. I mean, just an incredible clip. And uh and with Angel Hernandez, I mean that's also a good thing to remember here. Um but yeah, I mean it's perfect ejection. We have to put the helmet in there. Well, it was an other centered ejection. And what better way for Kyle Schwarber, you know, a real team guy, to get ejected? He was yelling at Angel for Hernandez. 
He was yelling at Angel for the rest of us, right? For every other baseball player in the world. And if you watch it back, you see the Brewers dugout is like smiling and giggling at it because they like, know. Get him, get him like, get his ass. <laughs> I also, also just the animated like hand gestures is really what makes this clip. It was clear that this was a theater kid in high school, right? That's true. He was he's used to being on stage. Um, no, Schwarber was the best. I, I love this clip. And again, like he was still relevant for the rest of the season. Uh, Bailey, do you have a favorite part of this ejection? I think it's just that it wasn't about the call in a way. It was about the entire game because that that ball was max half an inch away from grazing the outside corner of the zone. Yeah. Uh, but it That's just true. it was all about the build up to that moment. It's true. I forgot that there were way worse calls earlier in the game. Th- this one was not that bad of a call, but it was. You're, you're so right. It was. It was the culmination. But more just like hilarious. Devil Hernandez. If you if you want to, hey, oh, if you want to smile, go watch this clip again today. All right, our next. Now we have a run of three straight foolish uh, baseball items. We begin on April twenty sixth. With an item that Jake and I, when you sent us over your, your your preliminary list, we were like, wow, totally forgot that that was a thing. Um, so now uh, tell us tell us about April 26th. What did we learn on April 26th and what item are we putting in this time capsule? April 26th, the Yankee letter was revealed. <laughs> or should I, maybe the best word would be unsealed because that was <laughs> all the discourse about this for months and months. Was, you know, was there were like, there were lawsuits and court cases like we will unseal the Yankee letter like it's the Ark of the Covenant or something. Um, So uh, the Yankee letter was indeed unsealed. It revealed that the Yankees did dabble into some, you know, uh, decoding in the video room, particularly, I think, 2016, 2017 were the years. Find one hundred thousand dollars for it. A little bit of a nothing burger in the end. However, the item that I'm going to put in is the letter opener that was used to unseal this Yankee letter because that's what it's all about. It was about the the buildup, the anticipation, not so much the result. It's so true. It's so true. The, the, the level of people just losing their mind over this. And the funniest part is that it, it basically came out, not, not only was that the results were very uninteresting, it was that the Yankees basically, it was like, okay, well, why were you, why were you so worried about this? And they were just like, we thought that it would be taken the wrong way and that people would just assume that wouldn't be able to tell the difference between this and the Astros or whatever. It's like, okay, you were like sort of using the replay room, but not not you know, relaying stuff in real time. That was a big difference. But to your point, it, it, who cared? Like, no one gave a shit. It was just like, oh, okay. But unsealing the, the discourse made it so much more dramatic. You're so right. I don't know if it was sealed physically. Mm. I But I like... Okay, so who wrote the letter in the uh, first place? I think it was commissioner. So the commissioner yeah, writes the letter. To, to he the didn't games. mail it with a pigeon Ooh, and, a, I, and like I a seal. That's a, good, that's a good question, right? Because when it was when, a memo, brother. <laughs> a memo. It was a memo. He sent it. He sent it on email in a memo, and so but, it was unsealing an email. Right, uh, or like, a, like it was like it was like you know you had to like put in a password. To, to unlock, to decrypt it. But see, I still think this is a great item because every time you would see a headline about it, this is what I was picturing too. <laughs> so, so. And, uh, it's at someone's desk and it will be unsealed someday. Exactly. All right, let's move on. Uh, May 15th, this is something you did just do a video about, I believe your most recent uh, baseball bits. 
let's represent the Cincinnati Reds in embarrassing fashion. What is the item we are doing for May 15th? The item, I, I believe I would just describe the item as the number zero. <laughs> We're going to put the number zero in there. You could get it from a scoreboard. You could get it from a scorecard, but it's the zero in the hits column for the Pittsburgh Pirates versus the Cincinnati Reds on May 15th. Hunter Green and Art Warren of the Cincinnati Reds combining for an unofficial no-hitter. An official no-hitter requires uh, nine innings pitched. This is eight innings pitched between the two. Uh, six walks and one run allowed that allowed the... Uh, uh, Pirates to win this game despite being no hit. Key Brian Hayes hit a ball that they tried to turn double play on, couldn't get it, run from Oof. third, scored, and the Pirates won one to nothing without getting a hit. And I think this, especially it being so early in the season, is an, is also, if anything, a reminder of the Reds' um, in, incredible start to the year. Right, three and twenty-two, and they they were finding ways to lose in in really impressive impressive ways. Uh, but hey, shout out to Jose Quintana, Chris Stratton, and David Bednar for holding it down and holding down that that raucous Reds offense from scoring and allowing them to win with a no-hitter. I love this one because it represents so many things about the season. <laughs> that the Pirates were an embarrassment who couldn't hit. That the Reds were an embarrassment who couldn't hit. And that the NL Central turned out to be an absolute joke. Right, and the, the Cardinals who won what are they? I think ninety two <laughs> games or whatever in the end. Mm-hmm. Like they won ninety two games because they got to beat up on these two embarrassments nineteen times each all year. Well, and the Cubs sucked. It's more that they only won. They won ninety three, and it's like, how are you not winning one hundred and thirteen against these teams? Also, lowest batting average in baseball history. Right. So in some ways, that's uh, that's another way thing we are representing uh, with this one. So that is that is a good one. Uh, let's move now to June 6th. I'm excited to see what you do for this one because you told us the event that you're you're celebrating, but not the item. Uh, the Angels had another disappointing year. I didn't see that coming. Uh, and they decided on June 6th to fire their Hall of Fame manager. Is Joe Madden going to make the Hall of Fame? I don't know. Maybe. Uh, what item are we are we uh, putting in the time capsule to to remember the, the firing of Joe Madden? So, so the firing was on uh, June 6th. This is a factoid, though, that was not revealed until a little bit later. But mm-hmm. uh, it was revealed on, I believe, an ESPN broadcast. Phil Nevin was the manager by then. He had been appointed that Joe Madden, on the day of his firing, had gotten a mohawk <laughs> to, quote, yes. unquote, awaken the team. Now, that was his motivational tactic, a motivational mohawk. Now, this is the guy that brought a camel to spring training, among other things. Or no, that was Davey. That was Davey. Who had learned it from Joe Madden, basically. It was, it Joe was Madden Joe brought Madden like type. A, an anaconda. To yeah, he, he's, he's brought some, yeah. Some, some, some weird shit. Now, now, are we putting the mohawk in? Are we putting in the... Okay, go ahead. Sorry. I interrupted. We, we are putting in the the hair clippers that mm. were used mm-hmm. to create this mohawk. I don't know if he did it uh, by himself in a hotel mirror with tears in his eyes or if he went to a salon and got his mohawk with dignity. But either way, I want the clippers that were used to create this mohawk that we sadly never got to see. Mohawk with dignity is an incredible three words. (laughs) I love this because to me, Joe Madden's decision to get the mohawk was so indicative of how out of touch he was with modern baseball. That this guy who had clearly lost his clubhouse thought he could just rerun the same shtick he'd been using for the better part of two decades 
that the game hadn't changed over time, that developing meaningful relationships with your players somehow wasn't important, and you could just change your fucking haircut and roll up to the yard and people would be like, all right, let's rattle off 10 wins. Like, to me, it is the it is not the reason that Joe Madden uh, now finds himself on the outside of the game tossing rocks <laughs> from afar into modern baseball as he sits lonely in front of his poorly angled desk mm. computer cam. Mm -hmm. But it is part of it. And I am very happy that you picked this. Baby. Let's also just uh, remind everyone that why did he need to awaken the team? Well, they had lost 12 in a row. Um, and then they fired him and they lost another two games and then one. So, uh, yeah, tough year for the old uh, Angels. Awaken. Could you imagine how highly you have to think of yourself to be like, man, we've lost 10 in a row. Shohei Otani is the greatest baseball player in the world. But you know what he needs? <laughs> to see me with a new haircut. That'll do it. That'll get it done. Uh, all right. Speaking of managers, this next item might be my favorite one on the list. We move to June 9th. Now, Jake, last year on the time capsule, after you biked to Chicago because Tony LaRusso got hired and you didn't believe he would, you received a gift courtesy of the White Sox from Tony LaRusso um, with a baseball signed by Tony LaRusso that said, I believe the, the, the inscription said, keep pedaling, uh, keep pedaling. Jake, to Jake, keep pedaling, well done. The best part of which, by the way, is that oh, yes. Jake is in quotes. Jake is in quotes. Jake, that is your real name. Uh, Jake, you are Jake. still Jake, Jake, here, here's, ready for my transition here? Jake, you are still pedaling. Tony LaRussa, no longer still pedaling. Thanks in part to this moment we are about to discuss. June 9th, the White Sox and the Dodgers are facing off. And Trey Turner comes to the plate with two outs and a runner on second. Now, Bennett Souza, who you have now heard of if you hadn't three seconds ago, a left-handed pitcher, is pitching to Trey Turner with Max Muncy hitting 154 on deck. You, at this point, as Trey Turner comes to the plate, you might say, hey, you know, maybe we, maybe we walk Turner to face Muncy with the lefty. That would have been a normal manager thing to do, right? That's fine. There's nothing interesting about that. Instead, Bennett Sousa starts the plate appearance and gets Trey Turner to two strikes, at which point Trey Turner magically becomes more dangerous than he was when he first stepped into the box. And Tony La Russa, 10,000 IQ, decides, Trey Turner, take your base. We're going to go ahead and face Muncy after getting you to two strikes. Before we reveal the item, uh, <laughs> well, you, Bailey, <laughs> Muncy homers. Muncy then homers immediately. <laughs> okay, so that's amazing. <laughs> Muncy's coming back to the the dugout like you walk him like you walk him with two strikes like in your face, bitch, or something along those lines. Whatever. That's just we're seeing him lip syncing. Whatever. We're, we're reading his lips. But as as Trey Turner is being walked, we hear. The cries of an anguished White Sox fan behind home plate. And I cannot recommend people looking up this clip enough if they don't remember it already. From Jeff Passan, who tweeted the clip out from, I believe, NBC Sports Chicago. Um, where <laughs> you just hear this, this White Sox fan screaming, Tony, what are you doing? 
And then as he goes, as Trey Turner takes his face, he's got two strikes, Tony. What are you doing? And so I am going to put in the crowd mic, the on-field microphone that caught this White Sox fan screaming this because it it exemplifies not only the entire White Sox fan experience <laughs> over the course of Tony Russo's tenure, but also, you know, the White Sox fan anguish of the 2022 season and just everything about the TLR experience in one move, one reaction. It, it makes me laugh so hard and I love it so much. And then he, by the way, then did it again later in the season. I don't think they homered again, but he was not deterred <laughs> by this White Sox fan. So, uh, Bailey, I love this so much. And I just, I, it just is so funny. What do you think about this moment? Oh, I mean, I love this one. I, so on, on the day it happened, I, I did, of course, a little statistical research and found that uh, Trey Turner about a 600 OPS after a one-two count, which, I mean, that's very impressive because that's a tough that count to dig out. But still, you would not intentionally walk a hitter with a 600 OPS to face Max Muncy, who versus left-handed pitchers has a career 850 OPS. Right, right. Yeah. But you might not. You might <laughs> not. But I have a buddy who would. You're not a Hall of Famer. You don't get it. Idiot. Uh, let's zoom ahead, Jordan, to yeah. June 24th. Yes, this is I'm a good one for for a you, highly for, for anticipated, fan, a highly anticipated moment before the year where the uh, Los Angeles Dodgers zoomed on down to Atlanta, Georgia, Truist Park to face the Atlanta Braves. This is the Freddie Freeman comes home game. At this point in the year, Freddie Freeman was definitely not over his ex, and so during the press conference, he lost it. Okay. I went back and watched the press conference. He basically walks into the room and we love emotion. We love it when men show emotion, but this was maybe a little much. He walks into the room. He puts his hands on his head. He's unable to take the podium. He leaves, quote unquote, collects himself and then returns to the mic where he proceeds to weep his way through a, I miss you. I miss you. I can't believe I did this. What am I doing? So we are going to put in the Powerade towel that Freddie Freeman used to wipe his snot and tears away while weeping in his first games back in Atlanta. You're a Braves fan, uh, Bailey. How do you feel about this item representing? I think this might be our only Braves item, um, sadly, from this year. Uh, but they were well represented last year, so I don't feel that bad about it. Is this is this fair? Can you think of another thing uh, for for Freddie? No, I, I was going to do this one. I just completely forgot. I wanted whatever object to use to collect his tears. That was just, that was not normal. You walk on the field, you tip your cap, you know, you maybe one solemn tear rolls down your eyes. You remember all the good times. That was just a, a weepy, weepy man. I have no other way of putting it. Freddie Freeman, a weepy man with a lot of feelings. Mm -hmm. I think it was good for him, though. I think it was cathartic. He looked, you know, he had an excellent season with the Dodgers this year. So if his heart was yearning to be in Atlanta, it didn't show on the field. That's the other thing about this is it's like there's a version of this where he signed with the Angels and had an 8-10 OPS and was 20 games under 500 where I would be weeping too. But he <laughs> he was an MVP candidate and won a billion games. Like, you'll be fine, Freddie. <laughs> so, but yes. No, in general, we, we encouraged the emotion, but this one was, was certainly uh, uh, top 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 notch um crying on the baseball field all right uh let's move on uh, we have two more items before we're going to take a quick break this next one is also one from you although i certainly came up with what with this this one was, was top of mind for me as a mariners fan 
But we have the Mariners Angels Brawl on June 26th. Uh, white item, would you like to put in to to recognize this moment, this key diversion in the seasons of of these two teams? It was so tough because I really wanted to put the Rysel Iglesias palette of uh, sunflower seeds yeah, he threw. However, that was my first thought. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. However, I'm going to go with the pizza box for the pizza yep. that was sent to Jesse Winker. Jesse yes. Winker was. I would describe him as the main character in this brawl that involved, you know, so many individuals, but I would say he was the main character. And as he was ejected from the game, Twitter user at Sophie Ballgame ordered him a pizza via DoorDash that somehow made it to Jesse Winker in Anaheim. Uh, and the uh, actually had a really nice result, too, in that the uh, driver... Uh, received, I believe, thousands of dollars of tip uh, from various users of baseball Twitter, including myself, I must say. So just a good sort of feel good story. I'm taking the uh, pizza box for the pizza that Jesse Winker enjoyed while he was ejected from this game. Totally agree. Highlight of Jesse Winker's uh, debut season with the Mariners. It got him so much goodwill that when his offense, I, I know we now learned he was very injured, but as his offense evaporated over the second half, people were still like, Yo, but the pizza and the fight, like Jesse Winker, like that was pretty sweet. Um, and so he does get, you know, some amount of credit for that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it was a cra- and it was one of the crazier brawls we've we've had, you know, in in, in some time. Certainly of, of the season, the, the most the most active one. Jake, the logistics of getting a pizza to Jesse Winker are fascinating to me. Like, where did the driver go? <laughs> Especially Who did he talk to? That parking lot is huge. How do you like that? that you're really counting on that's that's why this driver deserved the tips because if he was able to deliver it to dash to the door of the Mariners Visitors Clubhouse, very. Where amazing. do you think? Because there's no way the driver delivered the pizza to the clubhouse. No, no. I think this was this was. I think Corey Brock wrote about how this all happened. There, it was multi. It, it took multiple deliveries uh, along the way. But I, agree. you know what I, I always say, Jordan. Yeah, nothing quite like Anaheim pizza. Yeah, no, I know, I know. That's that's what they're known for. All right, we're gonna have one more item before we take a, a quick break, and this is another Mariners one, and this is this is a layup. Uh, it is Julio Rodriguez's J-Rod show chain. Now, I don't believe he wore it as much this year as he did last year uh, when he wore it at the Futures game, and he wore it, um, I believe, at times during his uh, globetrotting uh, to win an Olympic bronze. Um, but this year, making the team on opening day, likely winning Rookie of the Year. Sorry, Adley, Stephen Kwan. Uh, he, the J-Rod show to give yourself this nickname when you're 18 and then live up to it and more is so incredible. <laughs> and, and, uh, and he, he earned it, man. He's, he's amazing. He's one of the faces of baseball now. I love him very much. And the J-Rod show chain, and, and we're doing this now because, you know, July 18th, the home run derby performance when everyone was like, oh. Oh, this is someone I, I I need to know. Not just like, oh, this like a rookie. He seems cool. He's, he does he, he tweets sometimes. He's got a YouTube channel. Okay. Now it's like, oh, I got to pay attention to this guy. Okay. And so the J-Rod show has, has arrived in 2022 and his chain, which I'm sure he can afford to to spare us. Well, this uh, is what I was going to say. <laughs> yeah. This is probably the second most expensive, <clears throat> expensive item going in the time capsule so far behind the Porsche. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I think that is. I think that is fair. All right. Let's take a quick break, and we will return with the second half of our 2022 Major League Baseball time capsule. 
Hey everyone, this is Lindsay Rhodes, host of the NFL Roadshow, a SiriusXM podcast, inviting you to join me three, yes, three times a week for NFL analysis that goes beyond the low-hanging fruit. On Mondays, we react to the biggest stories of the NFL weekend. On Wednesdays, we pick one topic to really dig in on. And on Fridays, I'll give you all the fantasy football advice you need in just 15 minutes. We call it the Fantasy 15. Download new episodes of the NFL Roadshow right now on the SXM app, included with all of our trials and popular plans, or wherever you get your podcasts. And welcome back to Baseball Barbacast as we continue to be like Lonely Island and we are going to throw it on the ground. <laughs> in the ground. It, I threw it in the ground. Uh, <laughs> the time capsule rolls on. We are up to item number 16, August 1st, and it is Whit Merrifield's vaccination card. Now, <laughs> yes. Whit Merrifield was a member of the Kansas City Royals. Right before the All-Star break, the Kansas City Royals played the Toronto Blue Jays in Toronto. Well, not the Royals. The Royals didn't play the Blue Jays. The Omaha Storm Chasers did because I believe, what was it, 10, 14 members? Of it, was, the- it, was a, it was a season high. They were the least vaccinated team in baseball, yes. Now, part of their unvaccinationness has to do with their series, I heard this, backing up against the all-star break and so some guys were like all right whatever i'll take a week-long all-star break that sounds good to me i don't need to get a shot which again yes. absurd uh but the reason we're taking merrifield is because he was one of those guys who did not travel and then on trade line day the blue jays of all teams traded for him and he was just on the team like right away <laughs> they're like he just apparently something happened here Jordan, we needed to rep- we needed to represent the fact that a good portion of major leaguers just didn't go to Toronto for for the 2022 season. But the funniest, I mean, I think you now Jake was hiding from the trades as we know, but you can remember Bailey on deadline day. The reveal at literally seconds before the deadline that Whit Merrifield was traded to the Blue Jays was certainly one of the funniest moments of the trade deadline. Can you confirm? Yes, I can absolutely confirm that given his uh, questionable vaccination status at the time. Yes, so that was that was amazing. And then he did, and then he ended up playing, and he played his first August 12th. Ten days later, he was playing in Toronto. I was like, oh, okay, well, I'm not in the Royals anymore. I might as well <laughs> get the shot. Um, I guess Benintendi fits in this category too. But uh, it uh, So yeah, his Vax card, there you go. And it's a real one. We don't want to put fake Vax cards in. That's not cool. All right, so uh, Merrifield was traded on August 1st. August 2nd. Oh, I guess this was all the same day. All on the, on the deadline. That, the Whit Merrifield trade was not the biggest trade at the trade deadline. It was Juan Soto. Juan Soto was traded. They did it. They really traded him to the Padres. A uh, lot of options here, but what item would you like to put in, Bailey, to to recognize this? One of the biggest trades in baseball history. I'm going to put in an item that I guess technically doesn't exist, but we can get it custom made, but that's going to be an Eric Hosmer Washington Nationals jersey. <laughs> oh, oh, man. Damn it. How do we not think about this? That is so good. This is why you were here. Because when we first talked about this, our first pass, we were like, we want to do something that talks about Hosmer and Voight, right? Something about like Hosmer's literal no trade clause, like the language in the contract. Do we clip that out that he can't be traded under, you know, without his consent? But that is so good. The Eric Hosmer Nationals jersey. Oh, my God. That's so, so perfect. So perfect. Uh, Bailey, could you explain why this is relevant for those who maybe uh, <laughs> are not the world's biggest Eric Hosmer fans? Yeah, so the trade the trade was breaking that morning. The, the guts of it were already kind of figured out. 
And it involved Eric Hosmer being traded to the Washington Nationals and, of course, uh, alongside many, many prospects in exchange for Josh Bell and, of course, Juan Soto. What ended up happening was it was reported a little bit after that Eric Hosmer, by the way, has a no trade clause on his deal, and he would have to have manually waived it because the Washington Nationals were on his no trade list. And so for a moment there, it seemed as if Eric Hosmer was going to just throw a wrench in what is maybe the biggest trade in MLB history because, you know, Eric Hosmer and underperforming first base veteran on a big contract decided he didn't want to go to Washington Nationals and he was going to use his autonomy. It turns out it seemed like the Nationals had a deal with the Boston Red Sox sort of set up. Jake Groom was sent over and they were able to get everything involved. And I guess Luke Voigt, the real uh, loser of this trade, is he ends up going to the Nationals with Hosmer on the Red Sox. But yes, for a brief moment there, uh, Eric Hosmer uh, rejecting the Washington Nationals mm. looked like it could have ended maybe the biggest trade in MLB history. I just, the moment I think about, right, is is they think they have it agreed upon. Hosmer's like, I'm not doing that. <laughs> and Preller, Preller like walks into the Padres clubhouse and he's like, all right, looks around. Who's it going to be? Who do we got to send? Who's who we send to the Nats? It's like it's like a nose game situation. <laughs> There's also the, the part of it for me where, you know, Preller has been yanking around Eric Hosmer for the better part of like three to four years. Hosmer's like the most beloved guy in this clubhouse. And every every winter, every summer, it's like, oh, where's Eric Hosmer going to go? And on his way out the door, Hosmer just delivers Preller like a huge fuck you. Like, yeah, you finally <laughs> traded me, sure. But I, I wasted an, uh, two hours of your life having to call the Red Sox. Where you were, where you were stressing. No, it's so true. Yeah. It's so true. That's a great item. I think it's a great uh, moment of player autonomy. I have no other way of putting it. Like, he... he they he they gave him the no trade clause. He's a veteran. He gets to do these things. And, you know, I there should have been zero hesitation if he didn't want to go to Washington. There should have been zero thought of, oh, but what if I mess up this big trade? No, screw them. Correct hey, move. Go hey, where you want. Would you opt into the 2022 Washington Nationals? I didn't think so. All right, let's stick with the Padres for our next Fernando Tatis Jr. unfortunate incident. August 12th, here we go. Oh, he's coming back. His his wrists is probably almost ready. He's in uh, El Paso. Yeah, he's always oh, playing. I, right. I, oh, my God. I forgot about this. He's playing baseball games. He played in the minors. Oh, he's almost back. Soto and Tatis and Machado and Ha-Sung Kim. Where's he going to go? Eh, whatever. Tatis is here. It's happening. Bailey, Never where mind. were you? No, where no were it's you? not. Where were, it was a Friday evening. Where were you when this happened? Oh my god! I am. I'm. I remember exactly where I was. I was at my girlfriend's parents' house. We were house sitting. <laughs> I was under their deck, about to feed their cat. <laughs> so Amazing. here's the other thing about this. It was a Friday afternoon. This is all time Friday news dump. I know this right. This is right. I, this was like right after I moved into our new place uh, here in Indiana. So we're still getting, we're moving stuff, we're getting ready. And then boom, like, actually I got a text before I saw the Twitter, I uh, saw it on Twitter. And I, and you, Jake, I know you were, you were much more occupied. I was a groomsman in a wedding that weekend and it yes. was a rehearsal, it was the rehearsal dinner. And yes. I, someone across the table said, hey man, you should check your phone. 
And so I excused <laughs> myself from the table thinking that like a relative had died or something. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I was right. No, uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. obviously tests positive for close, close to ball. Okay, close here we go. To ball. Ready? Okay, so yeah, now you're wondering, wondering what item are we putting in? Well, he tests positive for close to ball. Fernando Tatis Jr. puts out a statement that says, I have been informed by Major League Baseball that a test sample I submitted returned a positive result for close to ball, a banned substance. Okay. Happens. Now is where you say, I'm so sorry. I will be more careful. This will never happen again. This is so embarrassing. My B. Just kidding. This is what Fernando Tatis Jr. decides to say. It turns out that I inadvertently took a medication to treat ringworm that contained close to ball. I should have used the resources available to me in order to ensure that no banned substances were in what I took. I failed to do so. Blah, 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 blah. All right. Then dermatology Twitter rise up. <laughs> Everyone's like, hmm, why, what is he taking that has close to ball? That isn't, what is going on here? This is not like I treat, I'm a dermatologist. I treat ringworm. Randy Gisarelli, a great baseball writer who's literally a dermatologist as his, his actual job. He gets on to it. He's like, that's not what is going on. So I'll just let Randy explain it. Okay, dermatologist speaking here. Number one, we do not use close to ball. We frequently prescribe clobetazole. <laughs> a potent topical steroid. Clobetazole, which calms down the immune system, makes ringworm much worse and is the absolute last thing we use for it. Which is to say that close to ball has nothing to do with ringworm. Clobetazole does have to do with skin irritation, but you would not use for ringworm. And so what Fernando Tatis Jr. is saying that I use this medication that does have to do with ringworm but also would have made it worse. That is my excuse. And so we are putting in clobetazole, the drug that he is claiming he thought he took, into the time capsule. Bailey, how do you feel about this? Well, first of all, in a in the future, that might come in handy. You know, yeah. if you know, I imagine ringworm will persist oh, through the fall point. of human civilization. So if anyone's able to dig up this time capsule, they may so right. they may actually find that come in handy for them. You're right. Can you imagine yeah. it's it's like the post apocalyptic wasteland and. You find this thing and what is the field mic, a snotty Powerade towel, you know, a letter a opener. And this guy's got like a huge rash. And he's like, oh, my God. Wow. Oh. Clobetazole. Thank goodness. Thank goodness. Thank good. Thank God it's not close to ball because that would have been useless. <laughs> um, all right. Anyway, so I mean, look, this is there's so many different Fernando jokes we can make, but we'll we'll kind of we'll 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 move on from from that uh, from that saga to our 19th item, August 15th, three days later. Now, last year uh, when Otani did what he did, we were like, "How do you even encapsulate it?" Last year, we decided to put in Otani's elbow guard that protected his right elbow when he was hitting. And also was protecting the right elbow that was one of the best pitchers in baseball. So we kept it simple. We did his right elbow. However, it is impossible to totally uh, describe the wonder of Shohei Otani. But there is one thing which I do also believe that that you have at least tweeted about or mentioned in a video before, um, uh, Bailey, is that Shohei Otani is also the one of the fastest players in the league. And this year, among qualified base runners with a certain number of, of runs to first, he had the fastest home to first time of any of any player in the league. So while he's one of the best hitters and one of the best pitchers in the world, that's not enough. This greedy 
freak of talent has decided I will also be one of the fastest players. And so we're just going to go ahead and put his cleats in. August 15th was the date that he had a swinging bunt against the Mariners where it just looks like he takes force. It's like Giannis coming down the court uh, where he can like dunk in four steps. That's kind of what it's like watching Otani run the bases because he's so big. So it's not like a smaller guy fast where it looks like his legs are moving really quickly. It's just the strides are, are overwhelming. Um, so I think we, we're going to represent Otani's sprint speed. Shouts out to Sackhouse. I'm not sure what else you could even put in for Otani. Yeah, yeah. This, this is too much. Um, and guess what? If we do this again next year, we'll probably have to come up with something else. <laughs> uh, okay, uh, let's move on to number 20. This is one near and dear to your heart, Jake. August 21st, the date of one of our favorite events of the Major League calendar, the Little League Classic. We love this event so much. We haven't gotten to go the last few years. But the Baltimore Orioles, your Baltimore Orioles, took on the Boston Red Sox. And one of the one of the most important moments of any Little League Classic is seeing the big leaguers slide down the hill in Williamsport. And so, Jake, we are going to take the piece of cardboard that your rookie uh, superstar, Adley Rutschman, used to slide down the hill and put it into the time capsule because we love Adley and we want to represent him. want to represent Adley, but also it's great that Adley Rushman, the man who the entire franchise hinges upon, and that's easy to say, but if you just look at the splits and their record before and after he came up, it's not rocket science. They put this man on a cardboard slab and they just sent him down the hill. They crossed their Let fingers. Let big guy. Go get it, buddy. Uh, I heard that Adley was very adamant that he wanted to do this. And at first I saw this and I was like, oh, no. But then I realized if he can't go down a hill on a piece of cardboard at age 24 without getting injured, he's going to get hurt anyway. Right? Like, that's fine. <laughs> I would not send Mitch Hanniger or like Franklin Gutierrez or Byron Buxton yes. down the hill. Exactly. Exactly. The rigors of catching on a daily basis in the majors is basically just as dangerous, if not more, than sliding down a hill one time. So, agreed. I think you could argue he he will end up being the greatest player to ever slide down the hill. <laughs> wow, that's a good, that's an interesting uh, comparison because we, I, Anthony Rizzo, I believe, did it when the Cubs were there. There, there's some, there have been some great players, but look, Adley is special. Uh, uh, one more before we toss the rock. Back to Mr. Freeman. And that is a very good uh, description to use here, Jordan. Toss the rock because our our next item is a Puerto Rican basketball championship trophy mm-hmm. that was won on August 22nd. What is this, Jordan? Yes, yes. So uh, Yadier Molina, uh, he was having his farewell uh, tour uh, this year. Now, unlike our pools where he was extremely rejuvenated, Unlike our pools where he was, you know, one of the best hitters in baseball, Yadi Molina was very much not one of the best hitters in baseball. And of it course, was he was time, still... It was time to go. It was time to to move on. Now, that said, uh, he was still an important part of the Cardinals, and they would still like him to be catching, even if he's going over for every day. But in the middle of August, he, entering the, the All-Star break, but in the middle of August, he just decided, hey, I own this basketball team in Puerto Rico, uh, Vaqueros de Bayamon. And I, my team is about to, is going for the championship. I need to go support them in the middle of the season. Um, I'm going to go do that. I'm just going to leave. I'm just going to go skip two games and do that. And the Cardinals were like, what are we going to tell Yadier Molina? No. <laughs> so he, he goes, they win the trophy. There's some incredible photos of online of him celebrating. He just comes right on back. It's like, yep, 
he said it was it was business. I had to take care of it. He did. He went down. Thankfully, they won, so we can put in the trophy and not the runner-up medal or whatever. And uh, and yeah, I mean, this is just one of the funniest stories. I this Jake, it seems like you completely missed the story, and I had to, to remind you of it. This is just amazing. I, I love this so much. And what what a what a legacy for Yadier Molina. It, it's it's NBA shit to just it be really like, is. yeah, I need two days to do this. <laughs> Bale, you remember this? Story. I had no recollection of this entire story at all. Yeah, I'd, I'd forgotten some of the details. I will say, though, Jordan, you, you mentioned that, you know, you're glad they won. I, I kind of feel like the second place runner up would have been a funnier thing to put into the time <laughs> capsule, because that's if true. he took two days off and they didn't win the championship, that's the only thing funnier than taking two days off and winning the championship. Very true. Very true. Jordan, I'm looking at my calendar now to see yeah. how I could have missed this. Uh-huh. Turns out I was uh, backpacking in Yosemite. With no cell service. So that does track. That's basically what it would take for you to miss one of the funniest stories of the year. All right. Our next item, we're going to stay in the NL Central and talk about O'Neill Cruz. Now, there are a lot of dates of this season that we could have mentioned O'Neill Cruz. This was a date when O'Neill Cruz, August 24th, set the record, the exit velocity record with a 122.4 mile an hour batted ball. Foolish, what would you like to put in to uh, recognize our new StatCast king, O'Neill Cruz? Yes, uh, so I'll, I'll first start by saying that a month before that, he had recorded the fastest infield throw or infield assist at 97.8 miles per hour. So within the span of a month, he set both records. But August 26th, that's the day he broke Sean Carlos Stanton's record for 122.2 up to 122.4. Huge game changer right there. I have decided to represent, you know, it's tough because I, I'm representing the exit velocity record, but I also want to represent in some ways the the infield throw record just to represent O'Neill mm. Cruz doing mm. O'Neill Cruz things. Uh-huh. I've decided to go with an O'Neill Cruz arm sleeve. I believe oh. he's a big arm sleeve guy. I believe the arm sleeve would have helped him both propel this throw and to hit the ball. I think That's my a- favorite factoid from this is that uh, before uh, Cruz broke the exit velocity record, Stanton's 122.2 mile per hour bad ball was a double play straight into the <laughs> ground. And yes. th- and now the record is a single because O'Neill Cruz hit the ball 122.4 miles per hour. They're playing him deep. It reached the wall in about half a second and he had to settle for a single. Yes, that is a great one. I was I, my, my thought for this one, although I think the arm sleeve is great. We are big, big arm sleeve guys here is live the literal stat cast Hawkeye unit at PNC Park. Now they they're gonna still need that, right? We I wouldn't want to take that away because I want that to keep tracking O'Neill Cruz over the course of his career. So I think this is better. This is more safe. Um, also, Hawkeye's like fifty cameras, and you know that's 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 a lot to to squeeze in. It's getting a little crowded here in this time capsule. So I think that's a good one. All right, uh, we love O'Neill. Let's move on to our next one. August thirty first, Jake, you were in the building when one Timothy Trumpet made his live appearance at City Field to uh, introduce Edwin Diaz for a save, I believe, against the Dodgers. Um, after waiting, right, a couple days, he was there for a couple days, and they finally got that chance. He played the song, he got the save, and the Mets season was never the same again. <laughs> so we're going to put Timmy's trumpet into the time capsule, <laughs> and... He's got to have multiple trumpets. You can't be Timmy sure. Trumpet if you have one trumpet. For sure. You got to have backup trumpets. Right. The best part about seeing this moment live is that 
It was essentially billed as Timmy Trumpet in City Field for one night only on <laughs> August 30th. Okay. He was like in between tour dates, flying across the world, trumpeting up a storm. And they got him like for one night and they sent out like a press release and everyone was amped. The park was packed. And then I think the Dodgers won by one and um, Jake Reed of yes. all people got the save. And then he was on the Orioles a week later after they put him on waivers. And it was all this hilarious dunk on the Mets. Hey, we're the Dodgers. Cute trumpet. Jake Reed got a save. So everyone goes home that night disappointed. Timmy Trumpet has to be explained why he didn't play the trumpet that night. The next game, no one knows he's still there. There's a rumor floating around the press box that Mr. Trump Pitt is still in the building. And I went over to Mets PR in the eighth. I was like, is, is Tommy Trump Trump Pitt Pitt still here? And they said, yes, yes, he is. And Edwin comes on. The cocaine hurricane named Timmy Trumpet runs out onto the field, rides his trumpet like a horse, blasts the tune for a moment that children across the tri-state area will remember forever. Let me tell you, when I went to my Little League practice that week, it was the talk of the town. These nine-year-olds, all they could think about was narcos, and I'm not talking about the Netflix show. Mr. Trumpet, get rid of that instrument, toss it into the time capsule probably one of the most unforgettable moments of the 2022 season which is so funny and so sad and so Mets. amen nothing to add uh bailey anything on timothy i just i can't help but think of this incident and just remember the jerry seinfeld instagram rant uh, in which he said that this was the same as when the baja men showed up to play who the dogs out in the 2000 world series uh celebrating in season bad mojo uh met season was never the same they would then blow the lead to the division okay anyway that's fine i'm not here to talk about seinfeld all right our next item this is also from you bailey um quietly this was this went extremely under the radar for i want to say 28 innings zach gallon one of our favorite pitchers had a historic scoreless inning streak that ended on september 12th after what was it 43 42 i think 40 44 and a third so what item would you like to put in to to recognize uh south jersey zone zach gallon and his amazing scoreless inning streak well, as you can tell, you know, this is bad podcasting, but two thirds of this podcast, a super majority <laughs> are wearers of spectacles. Yeah, yes, be spectacled. Yes. So, of course, Zach Gallon, a glasses guy. I want Zach Gallon's glasses that he would have used to, you know, properly locate his pitches to exactly. possibly see the catcher sign. I know we're in pitch com here, but still. <laughs> um, but yes, I want I want Zach Gallon's glasses, a classic glasses guy like you said i probably didn't hear about this streak until he had gotten to about 30 <laughs> innings so uh um, so but yeah seventh seventh longest scoreless streak in uh mlb history pretty impressive there for mr zach gallon now jake just so you don't feel left out jake you have podcasted with sunglasses on before for entire episodes so it's not like we haven't seen you uh podcast in in, in specs i am a big sunglasses inside guy just because yeah. my future is so bright <laughs> Yeah, no, but you're right. Gallon's goggles are are elite and it, it deserves to be in there. All right. This next item is one 
I, I, I'm, I'm excited about this one. This was a, a truly, in terms of like what's actually going to be in the history books, how about September 14th when they unionized the minor leagues? That seems like an important thing that happened in the 2022 Major League Baseball season. Now, this is a much longer topic than we can cover in this year podcast format. But the important thing is how you do this is you, you send out union cards to the minor leaguers to say, hey, yes, I would like to be represented by the Major League Baseball uh, Players Association. And so one particular union card, which I think we can safely assume was signed and returned, is the one of number one overall pick Henry Davis of the Pittsburgh Pirates. Because Henry Davis, who we are big fans of, tweeted of way, way back, yes, friend of the show, uh, way back in the spring training when we we're still dealing with, you know, we're still dealing with lockout stuff, February 15th. He tweeted, uh, uh, quote tweeted a Jeff Passan tweet about how Major League Baseball is trying to basically eliminate a ton of minor league teams and, and jobs. Henry Davis, the number one pick who got a ton of money and is going to be an awesome big leaguer. This is not the guy who is the 50th round pick who is, you know, like this guy understands what the minor leagues means. He tweeted, the people making these decisions regarding MLB and MILB have consistently made every effort to cut costs at the expense of the game. Hard to grow baseball when the people with the power to do so treat it solely as an investment trying to maximize short-term returns. That is awfully eloquent for a number one pick, I will say. <laughs> and uh, and we appreciate the message and and Henry standing up for his fellow minor leaguers. And uh, I assume that he's um, uh, quite happy to have a little bit of a bargaining uh, representation now. This is a very, very big deal. And there's plenty more there. Look, there's so much more that's going to happen with this story in the coming years. But we had to represent it in some way. Speaking Jordan. of... Oh, yeah. Jordan, go ahead. <laughs> that reminds me, we should make t-shirts that say unionize the miners. Oh, my dude. Those would go. Those would. Oh, how have we not thought of that? All right. We'll, we'll get to that as soon as we're done recording. All right. uh, Bailey, you, you want to unionize the miners. You'd right? buy one, right? <laughs> yeah, I would buy one. Can I get one that also has Ricky Henderson on it and maybe says something like, I don't know, steel bases, not wages? Whoa. Yeah, we'll you, get. Eh, no. This that, guy's got that, good ideas. <laughs> Bailey, that sounds stupid. All right, our next one. Hey, hey our- speaking, hold on, ready? Let me let me do this transition. Speaking of catchers that'll be Hall of Famers one day, our next item comes <laughs> from Cal Raleigh. Cal Raleigh, who hit the walk-off homer to send the Mariners to the postseason. I was there. It was amazing. But no, we're not going to put his bat in there. We're going to put in his thumb protector. We talked about Adley Rutschman and all the rigors of catching. It was revealed after Cal Raleigh caught the 18-inning game in the postseason against the Astros. Oh, hey, this guy's had a broken thumb on his catching hand for the last month. And he's just, you know, that thing that he just has that extra protector? Yeah, that's because his thumb is broken and he's just playing baseball with a broken thumb. He's catching 100 miles an hour all the time for a month straight with a broken thumb. Catchers are crazy, but Cal Raleigh is a hero. I will never forget being there. And uh, and we have to represent the Mariners, Mariners breaking the drop. I critiqued Martin Maldonado for playing through a broken hand because Christian Vasquez fully healthy is a better option than broken hand Martin Maldonado. That being said, Cal Raleigh with a blindfold on and one rib remaining was the best Mariners catching option. So kudos to him for gutting it out. All right. Our next item is also this this rivals the the uh, White Sox field mic. Now, uh, Bailey, there's a pretty big story from the season that we have not mentioned yet. <laughs> uh, the biggest story of the season. The tallest season, story. That we have not mentioned yet. Um, 
That guy, the guy in the Yankees, he had 62 home runs, right? You remember that? Yeah, Stanton? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Stanton. No, 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 no. That's the other one. It was the other one. Okay, gotcha. Um, uh, as Aaron Judge was chasing history, kind of, going towards 62 home runs, it took him a while to get to that magic number. The 61, obviously, the record-ish kind of at one point held by Roger Maris. Now, Roger Maris, unfortunately, is no longer with us, but who is with us and who was with us every goddamn step of the freaking way was Roger Maris Jr. He traveled across this great nation to see Aaron Judge track down his, his papa. And so we are going to put in Roger Maris Jr.'s rewards credit card of choice <laughs> to commemorate Aaron Judge's chase for 62. Yes. This, Whether now, he's... Marriott points or right. Delta it's, miles, whatever, whatever it is, whatever miles, you know, Hilton honors, who, who knows what rewards he's, he's racking up as MLB is sending him all over the place. Um, but he was, he was living large. Now, did he look a little exasperated at times? Yes, but Hey, he's getting some free nights in 2023. So let's not feel too bad. All right. Let's not feel too bad. How do you feel about this representing uh, one of the greatest offensive seasons in baseball history? <laughs> Yeah, I think it's pretty great. I mean, he was he was racking up points like Wilt Chamberlain. There's really no other way to putting it. <laughs> it was. I mean, he was getting more screen time than Judge himself. Um, like honestly, he he got more uh, TV time than most of the league over the last three weeks. Well, uh, I, I want to know. You know, when they were in Toronto, it was it was Roger Maris Jr. and then Judge's mom. That was the that was the crew that had made it over. You know, these people, they don't know each other that well, you know, <laughs> like what? what's the small talk you. like? What's it like when you have <laughs> someone's son and someone's mom and you don't really know each other, but you're you're witnessing, you know, Aaron Judge chase history. I just wonder what it was like. Dude, well, I, I had that thought so many times. Remember, Judge's dad and wife, I believe, did not go to Toronto because they didn't get the shot. Mm, they didn't get Whit Merrifield's Vax card. I believe that is what happened. Yeah. Uh, if I am incorrect, uh, I believe that is allegedly what happened. Let's move on to October 8th, <laughs> the end of Albert Pujols' career. Big Al is one of the stories of the season, walloping his 700th home run, recapturing his hitting ability after a half decade of total ineptitude. It was truly magical inconceivable how actually good Albert Pujols was in 2022. And to commemorate Albert, his season and his entire career, we are going to put him in the time capsule because there is no one item. There is no one item that could fully encapsulate the career and season that this man had. And because he is done playing, he doesn't have anything to do. So hop on in Al. We're saving we're saving him from the ten year personal services contract. Uh, he was going to he was he, he does not he does not need to do anything with the angels. We'll just save him that trouble. Just hop on in. You can sit in the comfy Porsche. Here's some clobetazole and some uh, towel in case you get sweaty. You'll be fine. <laughs> we just didn't Bailey, have anything this, specific. Bailey, is this disrespectful? 
No, I think it's honestly the greatest honor you could receive. You know, you just couldn't find one object. If I had to pitch you an object, I would say maybe the Dr. Schultz inserts he's oh, been wearing. Oh, so good. Yeah, it's so good. The 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 the, uh, the plantar fasciitis he's been playing through for 10 years. Yeah. Oh, my God. You're so right. The orthotics. I think this shows respect for Pujols. I don't think it's disrespectful at all. It's an invitation. Yes. Come on in. Um, all right. Our next item. You mentioned earlier uh, Gallon and his goggles of seeing the sign. We did want to represent Pitchcom in this time capsule. And so we're going to put in Chris Bassett's Pitchcom. Game three of the of the series against the Padres, Chris Bassett was having some trouble with his Pitchcom, multiple times signaling to the catcher, hey, I can't, I can't hear it. I can't hear it. I can't hear it. And this was one just funny baseball goofy moment technology, but also it was like, oh, this has worked for everybody else the whole season. Like it's worked fine for everyone the whole year. And now, just like the Mets, it's all falling apart at the worst possible time. Um, now, is that the reason why Chris Bass is struggling in this game? Probably not. But I do think it is a representative of more than one thing. And Chris Bassett and his seven pitches that he throws maybe not fit for the pitch com era any other favorite pitch con moments from the season bailey i mean this one was was definitely on the big stage i it was clearly a resounding success i would say the, the technology in general i think just the first time i saw it like just the like the catcher it's just kind of like cyberpunk looking i don't know how else to describe <laughs> yes. it but i'm a big pitch con fan i think it yeah. sped things up a little bit i would like to get instructions fed to me that way for life <laughs> so that I have to make fewer decisions in my day-to-day. Just have it in your hat? Yeah, no, yeah. I agree. Uh, all right, our next item. We're, we're rolling through the postseason now. Another one of the just, the just the strangest postseason developments ever is Harrison Bader going absolutely ham. And we're going to put his mouth guard, which I believe he talked about after the postseason. Apparently, it is it is not about protecting his mouth. It is about him... He basically learned with his mental skills coach, uh, hopefully not the same one that decided to show the 2004 Red Sox um, video for the Yankees. Uh, he he, One of the mental skills coaches is that basically when he's hitting or when guys are hitting, there's some amount of jaw clenching that happens that is not good. And some wearing this mouth guard helped him relax more, literally relax his mouth more in the box as he was hitting. Now, this might be bogus, but it, hey, it was working for him. And so that's why he apparently uh, was like, yeah, this works for me. What are you going to I'm going to stop hitting mouth because I'm hitting a home run in every single postseason game after everyone didn't know if I could walk when they traded for me. Harrison Bader hit five homers during the regular season. One of those was inside the park, and another one of those was off of a position player. He hit five <laughs> home runs over the fence in the postseason. So whatever he put in his mouth worked fine, and now he's got to get a new one because it's going into the time capsule. Five <laughs> right. more, six, sorry, six more, Jordan. Uh, I am so excited about this next one. This is this also one, This one fucking top. bangs. This one okay. bangs. Uh, we're going to put a, a wet pineapple into the, into the time capsule. Bailey, what? do you know why? <laughs> Does it have something to do with Yuli Gurriel? Ooh, that's oh. a great guess. <laughs> who who lives who lives, who in, a lives in a pineapple under the sea? Under the sea? Oscar Does this Gonzalez have to do with does. someone who thankfully hit a home run? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oscar Gonzalez and his three 
game-winning hits, including a walk-off homer in the 15th inning. Had he not hit that, we would not be doing this podcast because we would still be watching that godforsaken game. Oscar Gonzalez. Now, we have to do an extra bonus shout-out here to his former teammate, Ernie Clement. Because, now, the walk-off homer was amazing, but then he had another walk-off against, that was against the Rays. Then he had a walk-off against the Yankees with two outs, bases loaded, bottom of the ninth. Chelsea Janes, uh, one of the great reporters there is, she witnessed the Oscar Gonzalez walk-off for the first, or the Oscar Gonzalez walk-up, I should say, the SpongeBob SquarePants theme song, for the first time during this game. And I tweeted, like, yes, when I saw this in person earlier this year, I went to a Cleveland game, it was amazing. I was like, oh my God, this is going to be amazing in the postseason, and that happened. And Ernie Clement responded a week before his walk-off and said, the whole year, we're like, imagine bases loaded, two outs, bottom of the ninth in the playoffs, and SpongeBob comes on. Well, that literally happened exactly. He hit a walk-off to beat the Yankees. Shouts out to Ernie Clement. <laughs> and uh, and uh, this it's, is amazing. So a soaking wet pineapple that lives under the sea. Oscar Gonzalez. All right. Five more. Speaking of soaking wet, mm. what's this next item, Jake? So the, the memory of my season will be the clubhouse party for the Philadelphia Phillies when they won the NLCS. And one Mr. Matt Veerling walked up to me with a pack of soaking wet booze-soaked cigarettes Mm. and offered me one. I declined because I'm a professional. But to see him roam around that clubhouse offering cigs to all these professional athletes, I would say about half of them accepted. JT Real Muto purchased cigars that he was passing out to people. I have never seen so many cigars slash cigarettes slash cigarillos lit and being smoked inside in my entire life. (laughs) Maybe this is what the 1970s was like. So I'm going to put Matt Vierling's pack of cigarettes into the time capsule because that to me is the 2022 Phillies. Lighten up without a care. Man, what a run. What a run. Uh, And they came up uh, just short because of the Astros who we're going to get to here at the end. But uh, yeah, man, I mean, the Phillies, holy shit. What a a season. (laughs) You got a very, very up close look. Any other uh, Phillies related things? This is the last Phillies thing we have on here, uh, Bailey, that you you feel like when you think, oh, we have Bryce Harper's glove. We got Schwarber's uh, helmet on there. Anything else? Oh, oh, you know what would have been a good one is, is the NOLA. Something from the NOLA parents <laughs> would have been maybe an option. Um, the NOLA split jersey. But but yeah, anything else on the Phillies? I mean, they, they are NL champions. Yeah, total vibes team. Uh, you know, maybe maybe something related to uh, Rob Thompson's appointment. But mm-hmm. I just yeah. I don't know if there's a good item there. Right, because he is he doesn't <laughs> he doesn't there's no like exuding of oh Jake Jake has it. You spent a lot of time with Rob Thompson. Yeah, go ahead. Joe Girardi's NL champions ring that he <laughs> yeah, probably I gets. guess right. I guess he'll get that. He got them their first twenty three wins, twenty two, <laughs> twenty two wins. Uh, all right, let's move on to a real hero. We talk. We've been joking about heroes left and right, but now it's time for the only hero that we the, that anyone listening to this knows, and and especially uh, you, Bailey. You you share this passion for us, and that is perfect, Pat. Pat Hoberg, the perfect freaking game. What would we like to put in? Now, listen, the ump scorecard, I mean, that's an easy one. Are we printing it out? Are we framing it? Are we like tattooing it on something? Like, how, how are we going to represent the, the perfect Pat uh, game? 
I, I just want the ump scorecard because that's that's what it came down to. It wasn't just the act of him calling the perfect game. He called the perfect game and we didn't even know until the next morning <laughs> when ump scorecards ran the numbers. That's true. And said, hey, this is the first perfect game, umpire perfect game in the umpire scorecard era. I almost want this is maybe giving. But again, like the ump scorecard, we're such big fans of them. And I've read it. They've read a lot of stories about how they do the thing. I believe they have like a computer dedicated just to running this every day. <laughs> in in which I, these are like college students at BU. So maybe we take that that computer now. Now again, we we need to make sure this is still going to continue because we need um scorecards to con- to continue to provide us these these numbers. But um, that it really was just so perfect. But. Love Pat Hoberg, man. I hope we get. I mean, I, it, so now it feels like like Felix, right? Do we want to see another perfect game, or is this is now are we rooting against them? <laughs> I mean, before we're gonna get Roboams eventually. So, uh, what do we think? Do we want to see another perfect game? I don't because this was. It's like it's like if Don Larson threw the first ever perfect game when he did it in the World Series. Yeah. It's like if no one had done it for years and then he was like, I'm going to throw a perfect game and I'm going to do it on the biggest stage. And that's what Pat Hoberg did. There were, I'm counting like 16 one miss games this year alone, including one by Pat Hoberg. So it's, it's bound to happen again. But the fact that it happened in game two of the World Series, incredible. Yes, totally agree. All right. We have three items left. They are all Astros related. The first one, uh, we have to obviously have something for Jordan. And I am going to nominate for this time capsule the Astros, the Minute Maid Park visiting dugout bullpen phone. Because this was the phone that uh, Scott Service or someone on his coaching staff called down and said, let's bring in Robbie Ray here. That'll do it. That'll do <laughs> That's what we need to do here. <laughs> and then later on in the World Series... In a much more reasonable but still uh, painfully incorrect decision, apparently, Rob Thompson. Let's go to Jose Alvarado for the fourth time against Jordan Alvarez here. Let's see how this. Let's call down. Let's bring someone else in. Boom! Astros win the World Series. One of the most epic home runs ever. So, uh, when you know future managers visiting in, in in Houston, if you're thinking maybe maybe your starter, maybe stick with your starter. <laughs> we'll see. So yes, bullpen phone going in. Our next item, the World Series and ALCS MVP, one of the breakout stars of the season. Jordan, we say this every week. Congrats to us. We were right. We were on it. <laughs> I'm going to pat you. I'm going to Hoberg you on the back. You can Hoberg me on the back. Jeremy Pena, we're going to put his actual heart into the capsule. Pena, who became uh, the picture of him putting up the heart symbol, right, oh, was very uh, on oh, the broadcast God. every five minutes. But yes. we don't need your symbol, buddy. We're going to put your heart in there. <laughs> Let's get the real thing. Oh, if this is gruesome. This is This terrible. guy's got a lot of heart, and we're going to take a little extra and put it in the capsule. And Jordan, our last thing, <laughs> I think the final memory of this baseball season, Mr. Johnny Baker Jr., a.k.a. Dusty, winning his first World Series title. And originally, we had a couple of other things to put in here, but I think there is no better way than to put one used Dusty Baker chewing stick slash toothpick into the time capsule. It will look like refuse. It will look like trash to those seeing this in the future. But there will be someone who will know, who will smell it and be like, that is a Dusty Baker. After 
after Albert Pools is done eating the cake and the pineapple, he can use the toothpick. And there's also some practical use along with the clopidazole and all the other weird shit we have in this time capsule. Um, no, you're right. This is very important. And yeah, that's that's what I think of when I see Dusty. So even more than the gloves and more than the scorecard he filled out at the end, like the toothpick is the chewing stick. We should say there's a difference. That is the, that is the one. That's it. We did, we it. did it. It was long as it. hell. And but that you know what? That was a long pod, but the season itself was even longer. Before <laughs> hey, we get we out of here, a whole season's worth of podcasts to make up for. So we appreciate you listening. Foolish Baseball Bailey, you are the best. Thank you for joining us on this journey. Plug your work once again. And Any new mixtapes coming we will out? Let you, we will let you go. Yeah, check out my dat piss. Uh, if, yeah, you find me on YouTube as Foolish Baseball. I also have a more personal account under Foolish Bailey, which is maybe more topical, more personality driven. If you like what you see there, you can follow me on Twitter at FoolishBB. And if you really like what you see, you can check me out on Patreon, patreon.com slash Foolish Baseball. Bailey, uh, if yeah. you spend enough money, uh, give him enough money on Patreon, he will buy the blue check mark. I'm Jake Mintz. <laughs> that is Jordan Schusterman. That has been Foolish Bailey. Remember, you can email us. Yes. Baseballbarbercast at gmail.com, B-A-R-B-Cast. Thank you to Chris Tyler for editing this monster of an episode. And we will be back next week, full off-season mode. We know that free agency starts in a few hours. Hopefully we'll have some moves to talk about next week, previewing the whole hot stove. Last thought, Jake Mintz, go. Jordan Lyles, give the option. Okay, talk to you on Monday. Bye. Serious XM Podcasts.